this is like I know I need a sticky thing to go under. Oh, I like it. It adds character. Also, it's like a game. Don't split your wine. Woo! It's like we're on a boat. Yeah. Riding through the rough Atlantic. Mm. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back is right. Hello, sweet baby angels. It's been a time. It has. I mean, it's only been like two weeks, but it has been a jam-packed two weeks. No, it's going to be like a couple of months. I feel like I haven't seen you in years. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, can't. I just don't even know what's happened. My whole life's fallen apart, really. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ruby came over like two hours ago, and we just ate pizza and just talked about... We spilled the tea. We spilled big-time tea. Yeah, I basically was having a breakdown, just like, and then this happened, and then this, and could you believe it? This all happened within my life. <laughs> one is- person in one week, <laughs> this many things happened. Yeah, so... They say it can't be done. Yeah, so you can, whatever you take from this podcast, just know that you're probably doing better than me. <laughs> it makes you feel better. We've, we've been busy. Dude, you moved. Yeah, I moved houses, and oh my god, let's just talk about that day. Yeah. Fucking worst moving day of my life. That was intense. Your poor spine. Mm, yeah, I definitely shaved, like, a good 40 years off my life. <laughs> You're just like, I definitely shaved. It's like, awesome. Okay, cool. Great. No, haven't done that in what feels like years. Oh, I'm all about bush. Um, no, so I moved, yeah, last Saturday. And so we get to the place where we're supposed to rent the truck. At 8 a.m. to pick up the truck. The lady's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, the system's down, so you oh. can't rent a truck here. And what an inconvenience, Margaret. I know. I was like, listen, Linda, uh, I have to be out of my apartment, so you're going to have to rent me a truck. But she didn't listen. She said no. That was a no-go. We had to find a new truck. I found a new truck. Of course, it's at the very bottom of a parking garage in downtown Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And we're talking like a big U-Haul truck. So like, like you're moving house kind of truck. Yeah, like how do you get this truck out of like a tiny ass downtown Vancouver parking garage? I don't want to be that person, but I'm from England. Okay. So I cannot sympathize. Ugh. But you know what? I've grown accustomed to the downtown Vancouver ways. There you go. It it was just a short ceiling. We definitely scraped some Re- piping. Regardless, very stressful. It was hectic. So Daniel's driving the truck. Daniel gets out of the parking garage. I'm supposed to go to the car to drive the car back home. I get to the car. Daniel's already left. He's probably like halfway to home by now. He's on like the highway. (laughs) Uh, I realize I don't have the car keys anywhere. Daniel has the car keys. I'm like, amazing. This is just so great. This is off to a great start. So I love this for me. Yeah, literally. If you've ever been in downtown Vancouver, there's, like, no cabs whatsoever. Like, it's so hard to find a cab. So I'm trying to find a cab to get home. And then when you get in one, you're pretty much like, well, I'm going to die now. Yeah. Jesus, they drive like it's, like... The 4th of July. The 4th of July. (laughs) Honestly, it's, like, Fast and the Furious in those Priuses. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing Tokyo Drift. (laughs) (laughs) All around the west side. (laughs) Um... So I finally, I get in a cab, we get home, we start loading up the truck. We only are allowed, because we like, didn't have enough time to actually book the truck, we had to get everything out of our apartment in four hours before the truck was due again. So I'm like, move, move, just throw it. We're just throwing everything in the car. We finally get back downtown. We unload everything. We get it all out. The huge couch, which is a sectional. It had two parts. We get that out. 
we get out the dresser, we get out the kitchen table, all of that stuff. We're like, oh nice, we're making good time. We get out of downtown, going to make our second trip. Oh no, once again, we forgot the keys. Had to turn around, go back to the new apartment to pick up the old apartment's keys. What a conundrum. It just was just nonstop back and forth. Isn't it like weddings, marriage, and divorce, and moving? Weddings, marriage, are the same thing. Like, <laughs> I wasn't going to say, I was like, maybe the act of getting married. I'm just like drinking more, like wedding, marriage. Marriage. Happiness. Hi, <laughs> me for your speech. <laughs> yeah, no, isn't it like getting married, a divorce, and moving house is like the most stressful things to go through? Yeah, I bet. I bet. And then we both had to work on Monday. I was, my back. But saying that, the most stressful part, have you ever ordered what bread you want at Subway under pressure? That's stressful. No, because I always get the same bread. I, I don't change the recipe. So smart, so smart. I keep it very simple. From the ages of 4 to 21, I ordered the exact same sandwich. I only, last year, changed the sandwich. Has Subway been around that long? Yes. Last year? Yes. I forget how young and spry you are. I know. I am. I'm so happy. Well, not anymore. I was, but then I moved. Why'd you hang out with me? I'm pretty much haggard <laughs> old wrinkle back. I need the volunteer hours. <laughs> I believe it. How was your week, friend? Oh, we don't have to get into it. I'll just start crying. Okay. I'm not gonna lie, it was pretty bad. I probably should get diagnosed with a few mental health illnesses. <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. Uh yeah, it was pretty shit. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. You're doing a great job though. Really? You are. You really are. You are a strong, striving young woman, okay? And it nothing will beat you down, goddammit. Okay, I can try. <laughs> I think I've got another year left in me. At least. Mm-hmm. So we're doing, <laughs> moving swiftly on, um, <laughs> we're doing the early 2000s. Yes. Yeah, that is the film genre of this episode. Episode 5, by the way. Yes. And prior to doing this episode, we had a little chit-chat, me and Ruby, and we decided that we would pick two movies from the early 2000s by the same makeup artist. A makeup artist who, it's actually probably a crime that we haven't spoken really about him. Wanted to speak about him for so long. Yeah, he's like, well, he's known as like the godfather of makeup. Literally. And so we just decided, he's unfortunate, he's no longer with us, he passed away. Yeah, give it to um, him gently. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, he did. Um, a and while ago. <laughs> He's got some great films. Does. He has an amazing portfolio. Mm-hmm. And just a cool, cool, cool human being. Yeah. If you're wondering who we're talking about, his name is Dick Smith. Richard Emerson Smith, if you'd like to formally meet him. Yes. Should we talk about Dick Smith to begin with? Yeah, let's talk you about can, him a little bit. can spread our wings into the other films later on in the episode. Yeah. yeah. So Dick Smith, he became a makeup artist in a time when makeup, no one really talked about makeup or how they achieve things for movies, how they do things. He was very in the darkness. In fact, he didn't even know he wanted to be a makeup artist. He was actually going to school to be a dentist. He, I think it was in the library in his university, he found this book on some special effects makeup kind of like do do it yourself make yourself into a monster kind of idea yeah it was the book was called like paint plaster and powder or something like that yeah (laughs) um and he just really was into it and being that he was a dentist he had a basic idea of like things like molding and and he just decided to go for it so i ended up getting a job what was it at wnbc 
Yeah, he did. WNBC, uh, NBC station in New York City. Mm-hmm. And he worked there for 14 years. As the makeup artist. Yes, yes. And he was appointed as the first makeup director there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Smith uh, pioneered the development of prosthetic makeup and did a lot of that whilst there. Uh, known better as special effects makeup today. From And he did a lot of this also, as well as at work, from the basement of his home. I'm going to butcher it, but lunch... Launch Mart? <laughs> Launch Mart? Launch Mart. <laughs> New York. Maybe I'm pronouncing the T. Uh, a district that he actually lived in the majority of his life. Hmm. Yeah, he's a New Yorker. Is that your voice for a New Yorker? No, it's just really he's a New Yorker. I just think of Margot Robbie when I think of New York. Why? Because she's done the accent a lot for Harley Quinn. Oh, she has, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I watched Birds of Prey recently. Did you? Is it good? The makeup's great. She that scene where she's roller skating. I told James all about this. Yes. Um, the woman who owns the company that made my roller skates was that double. Yeah, it's a good scene. It's a long scene. Anyway, back to Baby Dick Smith. Yeah. Sorry. Mm. It just has a. Sorry, that sounded <laughs> that did sound weird. Baby Dick Smith. I, it was more like affectionate and like yes. oh sweet sweet man. But like, ba- yeah, I see, maybe we'll edit that out. <laughs> Who knows? We'll keep it in. Why not? Why not? It's a fucking... It's been a week, so... It's been a fucking ride. It's been a baby dick week, if we're being honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, as we were saying, Smith was one of the early makeup artists at combining makeup on set with practical effects, and he has this amazing long history of mm-hmm. films that he worked on, um, as well as working at NBC... Mm-hmm. WNBC apologies so yeah do you want to list off some of the films yeah um, some of them that you may recognize he did The Exorcist he did Scanners he did The Godfather he did Amadeus The Big Man yeah Death Becomes Her just so oh. many great ones and he was also one of the first makeup artists to kind of openly start teaching and start educating people and just being really honest about how he did things giving yeah, like very... So giving with his knowledge. Very much a teacher. Like would stand on street corners in Manhattan, like having written out notes and giving them to people that paid any interest in makeup. Like just truly believed in the art form and just yeah. wanted to learn and get better. Yeah, and if you remember back from our very first episode of Blush and Stuff Ever, we talk about an artist named Rick Baker. Yes! Who... Dick Smith actually kind of took Rick Baker under his wing from a very young age. I think Rick Baker was like a teenager. Mm -hmm. And Dick Smith started teaching him and mentoring him. And I mean, look where Rick Baker is now. So obviously he owes a lot to Dick Smith. Um, So Dick Smith won in 2012 the Academy Honorary... Honorary? Honorary? Honorary. Award (laughs) for his career's work. So if you have time, I'd suggest watching his acceptance speech because Rick Baker introduces him and the and as the award's being given, it is just such a beautiful moment between Rick Baker and Dick Smith and it's like this very teacher and student bond. And Rick Baker was Smith's protege, so it's so much more like emotional and just mm-hmm. the sweetness they share between them both and they're both just like looking at each other with such love. Yeah. And also, like, Dick Smith was like 90 when he got this award. Um... So, and he, he was the first ever makeup artist to win this, like, he didn't win for a film, it was just for his life of work. And yeah, it's like a Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I really suggest watching the 
moment that he wins because it's so beautiful and so sweet and he's really old and he's not getting yeah, on the stage so they very do it on the small floor. little old man and it's just this if you don't cry if you don't cry someone will <laughs> he also like on the exorcist was just known for like practical effects mm-hmm, very like, much into practical effects basically it was the beginning of practical effects and the exorcist came out in 1973 mm-hmm. and he figured out a way to make the wealth swell up on linda blair's stomach and make her head spin around what was a mechanical dummy? Wow. So it was just like a big movement in yeah. the practical Very special Very innovative. Effects. Yeah. Extremely. And that's why he is known, not because that he did the Godfather films, but because he really is like a godfather of makeup. Yeah, absolutely. Something really fun that I also learned just to end on Baby Dick Smith with <laughs> is prosthetic face masks were then normally made in one piece. But Smith made them into three, like, different pieces. Like, he was the one to segregate, like, cheek pieces, chin pieces, yeah. forehead pieces. Because um, this technique would allow the actor to be able to use their full range of facial expressions. Despite initial criticism from many professional makeup artists at the time, Smith's makeup techniques proved to be superior. And now it's the standard methods of how we apply them. So... so. Wow, wow, wee, wah, he knew. Extremely groundbreaking. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of wow, wow, wee, wah, um, Sacha Baron Cohen is like lighting up the Oscars nominations. Is he? Mm-hmm. He's won, he's nominated for writing. He's nominated for Chicago, uh, the trials of Chicago mm. for acting. And the who plays his daughter in Borat is nominated for a supporting actress, like Oscar. <laughs> Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Definitely serious. Oh my god. Well, it's about time he got recognition. Yeah. My man. Your man. <laughs> Ruby for Christmas. I don't know if we've mentioned this, but she got me a, a mug that has Borat on it, mm-hmm. giving a high five or a thumbs up. Very nice. And it's now in my... Yeah, this is very nice. And it's now my trailer mug. Oh, it is? It is. You made it into the trailer? I did. Buffy's about to start a show. I know. And I needed a trailer mug and I was like, this one's perfect. I still have my Louis Capaldi one. As you should. It's a strong one. Everyone needs a good trailer mug. They do. It has to convey your personality a little bit. Mm. I like to think that Borat says a lot about me. I think Louis Capaldi could do it for me too. Oh, absolutely. Big sexy jungle cat vibes. Definitely. Foxy minks. Mm. Have you. I'm more of a tall, lanky... Beat man. Beat man. Mm, you could also say Dwight Schrute is applicable. Mm. I like to consider myself a gardener. So I've been watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine recently. Have you seen it? I've seen a little bit of it. I definitely feel like I'm Boyle. Oh. And you're Jake. Like, you're the cool one. Oh. And I'm Boyle that's just like, excellent choice, Jake. <laughs> that's very, like, Dwight and Michael. You know? Is Michael... Is Michael Boyle? No, I'm, I'm then combining The Office. I know, but I just feel like Dwight is both oh. appreciative of Michael and thinks see, he see, knows see, better than everybody. I see, see what you're saying now. Yeah, that's a hard comparison. They're different characters, but it's kind of like that weird kinship. I feel like I adapt many like personalities in these high comedic dramas that are like... Push. High comedic dramas. <laughs> mm-hmm. I started to laugh and then started to yawn. And if that doesn't show the emotional range that we have reached this evening, <laughs> I don't know. Not I don't. <laughs> I don't know what will. <laughs> you know, Brooklyn Nine Nine, that high emotional comedic drama. It's just so 
thoughtful and intentional. You know what? Fuck everything I just said. I want to be Gina. <laughs> I just want to be Gina. I like Gina. Be my little dance squad and be left alone. <laughs> Alright, we should probably get onto this. It's like 10 p.m. Would you like to go first? No. You're I so know you were going to say no. So I don't know why. Thing. I don't know you're why so I good. said. I don't know why I even asked, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm just here to be a cheerleader and maybe That's get not by. true. You're the main character in your story. And in our story. I'm the Dwight. You're the Michael. I'm just going to move to Sri Lanka. You've really driven that point home See, this I know, evening. I know. But I don't blame you. It's a beautiful place. I watched it on Survivor one season. Yeah. Gorgeous. Nice really? beaches. Mm. Lots of spiders. Yeah, that's alright. I don't mind that. Okay. Just bring some off. I'm an eight-legged bitch. A what? <laughs> an eight-legged bitch. Oh! Okay. <laughs> Not that that's any more normal. That <laughs> doesn't make sense. It's my second glass of wine. Also, we're, like, on a table again. You're so I far. know. I know. We're the CEOs. We really are. Of podcasts. Period. <laughs> of all the podcasts. Spot, you name it. We own it. Mm-hmm. Spotify basically pay us. Hit me with your t- Before 2000s film. Oh, yes. Hit it with me. <laughs> Slap me right in the face. Make mama proud. <laughs> so, as we're talking about the godfather of makeup, I thought I'm going to do the godfather Lovely himself. Lovely Thank you. Thank you. Um, Okay, for all of you guys who haven't seen this movie, what are you doing? You should have seen it by now. But here's a little synopsis, just in case you haven't. Absolute morons. Really, it came out in 1972, which is also the year my mom was born, so kind of a big year for me. (laughs) Um, And for her, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. Um, So, so it was written by Francis Ford Coppola and Mario Puzo. Puzo was actually the writer of the novel, and then he helped Coppola translate the screenplay. And Coppola's also the director of the film. Mm. Great director, I have to say. So is his daughter. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is a very epic tale of a 1940s New York mafia family and their struggle to protect their empire from rival families as the leadership switches from the father to his youngest son. Yes. Amen. This father... Don Vito Corleone. Keep going. <laughs> I'm trying to change voices. Is played by Marlon Brando, and that is who I'll be mainly focusing on today because he is really the one who got a crazy transformation for this film. Especially when you consider that this was filmed in the 70s. Yep. It's really amazing what they were able to achieve. Just a quick note on Brando. I kind of feel like I'd want to punch him because I feel like he'd think he's all, all like very confident, very cocky. Mm. Gorgeous, though. Oh. Have you seen that, yeah. like, two-second clip of him eye-rolling? Yeah, beautiful man. Honestly. Very think, nice draw, square draw. got, like, 15 kids. Well, I don't... I mean, what else do you Spread do? Spread those genes. Yes. Seriously. I also feel like he gives off a bit of, like, a I'm that actor. I think so. He was also, like, the golden age. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, because, yeah, he was old in the golden He was. He was. He was not, like, a young actor then. Yeah. But that being said, I do have a note that I was proud of Marlon Brando for, which I'll talk about later. He did something that I was like, okay, this is good of you. Mm. Um, So I read that Coppola really wanted Brando for this role, but the studio wasn't behind him and they kept requesting an audition. Going back to you, Marlon Brando being like the amazing actor that he is, Coppola was like, guys, I can't freaking ask Marlon Brando to audition for a film. He's freaking Marlon Brando. Like, how am I supposed to ask him to audition? Wow, that's embarrassing. Yeah. So 
Coppola was really worried that if he asked for the audition, Brando would just back out of the project altogether because he was an Oscar-winning actor at this time. He didn't want to offend him. Mm-hmm. He was like, how am I going to freaking do this? So he ended up asking Brando to do a makeup test at his house. Coppola went over to Brando's house to meet him there, and Brando ended up stuffing tissue into his cheeks and slicking back his hair with shoe polish. Wow. Yeah, and then when the studio saw the footage, they okayed Brando for the role, but they insisted that the only way that he filled the role is if he looked like that in the film. They liked what he had done, like, with the tissue and all that stuff. Obviously, they were like, we need a more permanent solution than just tissue in your lip if we're going to do a whole film like this. Yeah. Enter the talents of Dill. My God, too many wine. <laughs> Enter the talents of Dill. Dill Pickle. Enter the talents of Dick Smith. Dick Smith actually engineered a dental piece for Brando to wear in this film, which What? Was... Sorry. No, I'm not. I was just being dramatic. <laughs> what? It sounds like the seagull from The Little Mermaid. <laughs> um, so this would actually push out his jaw and give him that very like uneven jowl look that mm. he has in the film. This oral prosthetic was made by New York dentist Dr. Henry Henry Dwork. Very unfortunate. I believe, I believe the delivery. Keep going. Thank you. <laughs> it consists of a metal bar and hard plastic made of acrylic, Ow. kind of like blobs or plumpers, to push out his lower lip and to slightly give him his distinctive look. On the note of the dental piece for this film, Sonny Corleone, played by James Kane, also wore dental pieces, which I didn't know about. The team used quick-setting acrylic to elongate his fangs and give him a more animalistic, ferocious look, which they felt matched the character's violent personality. Mm. Because if you remember in the film, he's kind of the brother that's all like, oh, yeah, you know, he's like, I'm going to fuck everyone up. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, we want this guy to look a bit more scary than everyone else. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, so Dick Smith also applied a process called stretch and stipple. Which basically, I think we've talked about it before, but you kind of pull the skin apart where you want the wrinkle to form, stipple a couple layers of latex and powder layering, and then when you release the skin, that spot in the skin where you stretched now has the wrinkles formed. Oh yeah. So Dick Smith really, again, this is in the 70s, which I can't think that this would have been like a very common knowledge way of aging someone. Um, but that's what he did, and it achieved that really natural look, just of like fine lines around the eyes. Ah. Because of the challenges at this time, a lot of the film's dark lighting also helped to sell the aging makeup, among with other things like mood, whatnot. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's a moody film, but um, because a lot of the time when we see him, he's very dark, it's very unevenly lit, it kind of Makes adds sense. those harsh shadows and whatnot that also yeah. make him look older. Popping them jowls. Exactly. The entire process to put Marlon Brando in the makeup took around three hours each day. Wow. Yeah. So it was pretty extensive. I mean, now makeup like this would be way faster. Oh, yeah. But we obviously have much better product. Um, and tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But it was pretty crazy. There's actually some really cool pictures, which, of course, we'll put on our Instagram of this process being done. And they kind of show the transition of him before makeup, in the middle of makeup, and then when he's in his full makeup. Did they use shoe polish on his hair? I don't think so, no. I think that was only a... How dare they? I know. No, Way to not keep it true to the Marlon Brando experience, <laughs> am I right? Shoe polish. Why Why do I know that Marlon Brando would do that? Mm. He's just the type of guy to be like, fuck it, I'll put this in my hair, sure. Wasn't he like five foot five? Really? I, I If I recall correctly, he's quite a... He's uh, on the... The smaller. shorter end of the scale. Yeah. 
Interesting. Makes them a lot more intimidating. A lot, sorry, a lot less intimidating to me then. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm. I think it's because I'm 5'5". Five five. So then I'm like, Same. me and Marlon Brando equals. Same. Are That's we really? That's how you measure it? No. That's how you measure your dynamics <laughs> in life. If you're taller than me, whoa, you have so much power. There is so much power. <laughs> ah! Um, just to end, this was... I. It's one of those things where there's not really a whole lot of information on it because... I think it's an older film. So I tried to find what I could on the stress and stipple and on the, the dental piece, but there's not a whole lot going on there. But just to end on a Marlon Brando note, as I said, his one redeeming thing that I found where I was like, mm, maybe you're not so bad of a guy. He was nominated and actually ended up winning best actor that year for that year at the Oscars. However, he declined the award and boycotted the ceremony entirely in protest of indigenous representation on film and the importance of casting indigenous people for indigenous roles. I'm going to try to say her name correctly. He sent Sasheen Littlefeather in his place to address and to speak in on the issue in his place. When she attended the awards, she wore full Apache dress, which she was a part of the Apache indigenous tribe. Um, so I thought it was kind of cool that he not only decided to boycott the award and not accept it, but instead he actually sent an indigenous person in his place to speak on the rights of indigenous people. You have to keep in mind that this is at a time when Western films were really popular. Mm -hmm. So they were depicting indigenous people really not that great a lot of the time. And a lot of the time it was white people playing indigenous people yeah. when there was a plethora of talented indigenous people who could have filled those roles, but Hollywood just didn't want to look at them. So I was like, Good job, Marlon Brando. I had no idea. That is insanely cool. Mm-hmm. And I love there's actually the Academy. <laughs> yes, stick it to the man. Um, and there's actually a lot of photos of her. She looks really beautiful in her traditional dress. Um, and I read somewhere like I, I think it was received pretty negatively at the time. Mm -hmm. um, she was That's booed and stuff at the ceremony. Wow. Yeah. Well, Which, that is just disrespectful. I know. It's just like. It's one of those things where you're just like, you guys, in the wrong here, big time. Like, I just can't imagine how much courage it must have taken her to, to mm -hmm. go up in front of all of these people who think, you know, who are at this big party and think that they're so much better than everybody else and who have all this money and blah, mm -hmm. blah, blah, and speak on something that's really wrong and try and... And important. And important and try to be the change that needs to happen. And that's the kind of reaction you receive. Yeah, it's... The disrespect and the insensitivity is unquestionable nowadays. Yeah, like this has been something that everyone's been fighting for a long time, mm -hmm. and I'm really looking forward to the future years. And I really hope and I encourage the change. I agree. So, Brando, not bad. Not bad. I know. I found that out, and I was like, all right. Mm -hmm. Especially because we live on Indigenous land as well. Well, that's the thing. It's like, and you know, you're telling these stories, and you're depicting at this time, you're depicting Indigenous people in these Western movies, and I just think, like, it's just unacceptable to... To not have, recognize that. Yeah, exactly. To ignore to ignore that group of people, but yet play off their, you know, their culture and their character and their dress and all of this stuff and, and you know, and then not support them. It's just like... Thank you for that message, Buffy. That was a really good note to end on. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much. Take away. Oh, please. Swiftly along. To Amadeus. Amadeus, Amadeus. 
Amadeus, Amadeus, That's literally how the music goes throughout the whole thing. Amadeus, 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 Forget Mozart. Amadeus, 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 The modern day Mozart, some would say. Yes. So yes. Another amazing makeup done by Dick Smith. Yes. Was on Amadeus. Uh, obviously, it's before the 2000s. It came out in 1984, so nearly over 10 years from wow. The Godfather. Yeah, take that to the bank. I will. Mm. And it's an American period biographical drama film directed by Milos Forman and adapted by Peter Schaefer from his 1979 stage play Amadeus. The story is set in Vienna, Austria during the latter half of the 18th century. Fictionalized story of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. No idea his first name was Wolfgang. Who am I? Oh, I'm thinking of Wolfgang Park, the chef. No, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Ah, yes. Strong name. Mm-hmm. Wolfgang Park. I've seen his cooking shows. He's always on Hell's Kitchen. That's all oh, I know. Oh, really? Him. He's mm. a staple guest judge. Yeah, I bet. Um, so, yeah, it's basically about Mozart. That's what the film's about, guys. If nice. you haven't seen it, you should have seen it. You should watch it. It's a great film. Maybe not as popular as Godfather, but fantastical film. So much so that it is considered one of the greatest films of all time. Wow. Yeah, Amadeus was nominated for 53 awards and received 40. Holy shit. Including eight Academy Awards, including Academy Award for Best Picture four BAFTA Awards, four Golden Globes, and Directors Guild of America Award. As of 2021, this year, when Amadeus came out, they had both lead and supporting actor nominated for Best Actor. And that has only again happened this year in Judas and the Black Messiah. Wow, so they held that title for like yeah, almost 30 years. Both male actors in the same category going against each other, wow. as well as since this year, and that is with Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya, who wow. are both up for the nomination. Huge film, and also massively, and any footage that I've seen of the Academy Award, those two won against each other during the nomination, they were very much holding hand in hand representing the film. Oh. Basically, the film is following a, a fictional rivalry between Mozart, an Italian composer, Antonio Salarelli. Ah, uh, yes, Salarelli. Yeah. There's a lot that goes on. I'd suggest watching it. I really, really would suggest it. It's a fantastic film, and F. Murray Abraham's in it as Salarelli and Tom Holtz as Mozart. They are both extremely talented actors. I don't want to give away too much because I honestly would urge to watch the film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, also, in 1998, the American Film Institute ranked it 53rd on its 100 Years 100 Movies list. Wow. In 2019, the film was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Wow. Oh, yeah. No pressure. Nope. It, it's a fucking doozy, lads. Let's get on to the makeup now. Oh, Jesus, my throat's so dry. Need more water? Ah. Ah, mm, one single droplet. Mm, just what I needed. It's just uh, dry red. <laughs> I feel like I'm taken back to the 18th century. Ah. Sterile and old. <laughs> just like Amadeus. Just like Amadeus. Okay, so I watched an interview by 
F. Murray Abraham, who describes Dick Smith as one of the best makeup artists in the world. He was right. He's true. Yeah, this, yep. is, this is fact. The makeup for his character as Antonio Salarelli in a portion of the film required extensive detailed age makeup. They start the four-hour application at 4.30 a.m. Oh, God. <laughs> Just the sound of that makes me want to puke. Shivers. The makeup had multiple pieces. It was an old-age makeup, so it required quite the transition. In a video I was watching, it included stills of the makeup application that, of course, I will also include in the Instagram. we got some good photos coming up for you people. We really do. This is going to be a good time to check out the Instagram. <laughs> and if you're listening to this late... Go scroll on the Instagram right now. Seriously. Give get a on there. Familiarize yourself with Dick Smith's face too. He's a cute guy. He's not cute like. I think he's pretty cute. Like young cute, but like puppy cute. I just think he's. I'm just attracted to talent. Oh. Oh. That's why I'm attracted to you, my friend. <laughs> this is getting weird. This is weird. <laughs> anyway, as I was saying. Yeah, the makeup had multiple pieces. It was an old age makeup, so it required so much going on. Um, so I believe Dick Smith would have started with half a bald cap, from what I could guess, mm-hmm. from the video and these images. Um, he would start with half a bald cap, then a forehead piece, the neck piece, which was attached to the cheeks and the jaw, like too big, like a big Y, kind oh of like God. your full neck going up on both cheeks and jaw, making it a very large foam piece, of course, then a chin and a lower lip prosthetic, and then an upper lip and an nose piece. F. Murray Abraham was covered in foam. And if I haven't mentioned before, these prosthetics were obviously foam. Silicone was not around. No. Foam was the way forward. Yeah. That's what everyone was using. Something that's great about foam is that it's extremely lightweight and porous, but it's super opaque, so it's really hard to make match skin. It's not a, it doesn't have that beautiful blending edge no. and translucency that silicone holds no. today. But Dick Smith didn't have that. He had foam. And Dick Smith would have, would have only known foam. He would have never, he would have been extremely good at foam because it would have been his primary medium in this time. Exactly. And also he had just created not one full like, you know, full foam face. He was like, no, we're gonna break this up into multiple like sections. Mm-hmm. Probably meaning why Abraham's like bloody genius because he's giving my acting experience such a comfortable ride. Because he can mm-hmm. express more instead of having like a foam mask on. That's what was up. Um, he also wore lenses as the character. And what I saw, Dick Smith was applying them. What is super different from today because now we have yeah. a lens technician. You are not allowed to touch an actor's eyes. No. But back then, Dick was just like popping it in. Oh, that's not a word. That would be so scary. I I hate even just watching a lens tech put the contact lenses so fast it's actually so crazy they kind of do this weird thing where they kind of pinch the the lens and they almost like it just snaps into the eye it's so crazy they do it in under a minute it's amazing that's why they hide seriously quick and easy go to their job so then they added in hair pieces giving length and color change and possible some hand laying across abraham's chin to give his character a little bit of facial hair because we're seeing him in such an older transition of him reflecting on his youth and so that's why they had this half bald cap kind of thing going on. And then it looked like they just used his hair that he already had. And it seemed like he had quite thick hair at the back. Mm. And then I think maybe they added like a, a wig piece in to like clip onto, giving him some longer shaggier hair. Oh my God, so there was a lot going on here. It was a lot. Yeah, there was a lot. So they really like, I feel like Dick Smith used what he could to his advantage. So having just half a bald cap there and mm-hmm. not worrying about the edge of the front bald cap because the forehead piece was going on. He also cut back 
on a lot of time by combining the neck and both cheek pieces together and having mm-hmm. sculpted in these perfect jowls and these deep cut creases because it is such an age transformation. And then obviously with that like longer um, like half head of hair you're covering ears, yeah. you can hide some youth. Yeah. If you've got those nice little tight per- ear perky ears, yeah. And then obviously with the hand laying across the face or just some additional parts can really help cover like a wig edge or yeah definitely or just add a little more stubble and i feel like hand laying would have been a big thing back then too oh definitely i would say that they primarily i mean i can't imagine that there was very much like film style lace that would be going on then it would probably be thicker lace so and something on the face you probably would see it so easily that Mm -hmm. hand laying would be like your only real option and hand laying for those that maybe aren't familiar with it is basically getting some pre-mixed and hair that you can apply in act of facial hair yeah and you literally just take a what like a chunk of hair and, and you trim put, it so it's all level you put the glue on the person's face or hairline or wherever it is you're hand laying and you literally just stick the hair i mean there's more of a technique to doing it but you literally just stick the hair on where you're mm-hmm. meaning it to go it's like free flowing it's not in a weft or anything no and you just try and make it look as organic hair growth as possible mm-hmm a lot of people don't like handling, but I actually don't mind it. Um, so then when it comes to painting these big prosthetic foam pieces, Dixmith's ability to paint foam latex to look like skin is so hard to fathom, especially because Dixmith wouldn't have been using the products, the painting products that we use today. There would have been grease paints involved and heavily based watercolors. So crazy to me. <laughs> so there's such a lot of movement uh, there. There's like no airbrushes. Like you're just doing spatter with a brush. Like it just is wild that he can do that and have that quality of product. Yeah, exactly. And it looks impeccable. It looks like skin. Yeah. Like, like, especially Amadeus. That's not black and white. No, that's insane. Yeah. It just, it like Amadeus is a great, it's a great, depiction of how much talent this man had like Mm -hmm. he had such an eye for makeup yeah and it was really really applauded because dick smith did win an academy award for it in Mm -hmm. 1985 what was pretty rightfully so absolutely um i find painting hard enough now (laughs) with all of the amazing mediums that we can use with illustrator and alcohol based paints so let alone i can't imagine being given a grease paint and being like here you go make it work (laughs) we did that in school though with ball caps yeah it's challenging oh yeah i'm happy they made us do it though yeah abraham said that because of dick smith and his work it made him have so much more weight to his character he talked so highly of him and just said it just really made him feel that he could do his job better because of dick smith and just saying his praises well, we love. We love, we love that. that. That's so nice. And then to add, the wigs and costume was so elaborate and exa- exaggerated that the late Gilbert Adair calls the film a cartoon of the 18th century. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good old Gilbert. In addition to in Armadeus, the whole crowds of extras, for example, the audience in the opera house scenes or people in the streets or dancers mm-hmm. at balls, in some scenes the results are so impressive. You just, like see a sea of powdered wigs silk and lace frills and feathers and of course being set in the 18th century the background actors makeup can't go unnoticed the women have darkened brows lots of pink blush like plank blush on the apples of their cheeks and little tiny tiny rouge puckered lips <laughs> and the wigs are just so grand and big every department couldn't and didn't lack in detail it's pretty cool and even just like i know i didn't really talk much on wolfgang 
Amadeus Mozart, speak his full <laughs> name, but his wigs are amazing and, yeah. for, and changing throughout the whole film. And I think the wig work was equally as impressive. Yeah, and that's what I got. Just a certain sweet week for you guys this time. Yeah, I feel like it's half ten at night and we're both just downing wine and we're like, all right, let's get this. this let's get this show on the road. Let's do it. We're walking women. <laughs> Shall we talk product and tip? Oh, yeah, let's do it. Let's get it on with. Get it on with them. Never sit that. I know. Some it's stuff just, comes I out. I know. It's the microphone. Don't worry. I say shit on here all the time that I've never once said in my life. But you ever say stuff when no one's recording or listening and you're like, wow, that was the coolest thing I've said. And then you're sad. Sometimes I do do that. I know. Damn. I'm like, damn it. I should have saved that for the podcast. Yeah, I'll write that down. Yeah. Forgive us. Do you want to do product? Yes. We're going to talk about the European... <laughs> It's my Sorry, take like, five. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk about European body art, silicone-based adhesive, Silibond. Yes. Good old Silibond. Oh, yeah. Tell us this five. I've used this product many times. Actually, working with Ruby in the same on the same project, we had an actor who tell us this, another silicone-based adhesive just would not stick to him for some reason. Mm-hmm. Silibond would. I don't know what really was the difference in ingredients there, but something in Silibond was more effective. This is a great alternative to Telesis 5, as I just mentioned. What in Vancouver is very hard to get a hold of. Seriously. Look, Slurg, Telesis is all the There's a lot of different kinds of Telesis. There's like Telesis 5, Telesis 8, a couple other ones. No one likes Telesis 8. No. Those ones are garbage. The only good one's Telesis 5. And as soon as anywhere in Vancouver gets stocked, within an hour it's sold out. I swear to God, there's like productions that buy like freaking like eight bottles of it. And by the way, this is an expensive glue. Yeah, it's like a hundred a bottle. Yeah. For a little bottle. For like, um, yeah, not like a jug. It's like Mm-mm. a little, like a pill-sized bottle. Silibond is a silicone-based pressure-sensitive adhesive designed to provide superior hold and performance under any condition. It works especially well on silicone appliances, hair, foam, latex, plastic, and rubber, uh, which some of all of those things I've used it on. And I have to say it has been very effective. It's beautiful. So a lot of the times, if you're in Vancouver or if you're anywhere and you can't get a little telesis, Silbon is just as good. It also has a thinner. It does. Um, and it's in a blue bottle. Mm-hmm. It's European body art. Okay, now I'm going to talk about handling. Ah. That was our tip. Wow, I just really like sold it early <laughs> on in the episode. Let me talk about it a little bit more. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about pre-mixing the hair. So we kind of talked about sticking it on the face. Yeah. But the pre-mix of yes. hair is so important. The before action. Yes. The before. The prep. <laughs> Hold on, everyone. We care about you. The too. ship is going down tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so pre-mix your hair with your hands before putting it through the hackle. Um, a hackle is also this demon object. It looks like a death machine. It's basically, it's... It hasn't been updated since probably the freaking 30s. So probably since Amadeus was alive. <laughs> like, it looks like, it's like a bed of nails. Yeah, and you have to whip the hair through it to brush it accordingly. Um, and I always get a finger cord. You always do, a and knuckle. It looks like, it's so terrifying. And it's so, it's drawn so much blood. <laughs> because of the way that the spikes are, when you do hit something hard, is it not hair like your finger on it? It makes this deafening like ding noise, yes. and it's like the sound of it. To me, that is the sound of pain. <laughs> like ding. you hear that sound, you're like ah, yeah. ten stitches. So you do when you're like getting your hair prepped. You do your little like hand mixing because also like cut like making a hair piece 
or doing handling or anything to do with hair like our hair is not one color we have Mm-mm. many shades in Mm-mm. our natural hair so to really to make that realistic we make like normally up to five different colors of yeah. hair when making these hair pieces as makeup artists because obviously we want to you want dimension yeah and we directly want to mimic what real hair would look like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that goes through your pre-mixing with your hands. And I like this, I think, is such an important part that people overlook and just like keep putting it through the hackle and then stick it on. Because I think to separate the different colors and make it appear more organic and therefore more believable, I always do like about a 70% hand mix before then putting it through the hackle for like 30 minutes. 30 percent not 30 minutes i was like wow you hackle for 30 minutes <laughs> i i am not doing that no, no it's like a 70 30 yeah before laying it on and trimming it accordingly mm-hmm. if you're very intrigued by this there's some videos on it on youtube and it's it's pretty damn cool it's actually one of those things when you watch people hackle hair it's kind of mesmerizing because they kind of get into like a flow i'm slurring my word it's kind of mesmerizing you're drunk <laughs> But they're like kind of like like whipping it through the hackle. Yeah. And it does look really cool. It's like when you see those people making like really big dishes on of paella on the street. Where they're like turning yeah. the big salt spots. Yeah, and they have like those huge saucer pan yeah. things. Yes. It's kind of similar to that kind of feeling. You're yeah. just like staring at it. And you're like, wow. <laughs> yeah, I try to be those cool hackle people. And I like whip it through. But mine just, I just it never ends well. I can't do it like that. No, but I enjoy it. I do. I don't mind a mixing of the hair. I used to. I used to enjoy it, and then I made that hair piece last month, and yeah. I don't think I'm gonna want to look at a hackle for a while. You know what? That's okay. Should we fire up the generator? I think we should. Let's get the. Let's put this baby to bed. Let's. We yeah. feel way older. <laughs> Then the f- oh, that was my laptop shut. Business is closed. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Bye bye. This was before the two thousands. And well, that we is were, all. We were what born. We were what born, friend. We we were before. The police are after us. If you can hear that in the background. They'll never catch us. They haven't yet. They never will. <laughs> Fire up the generator. Take down the city. Oh yeah, the generator has chosen crime. There is no nepotism or anything else involved. I don't know what's the generator. The generator is now our family, and we are choosing <laughs> it. We did not press that multiple times. Nothing's no. happened. We Crime. did not. Crime was the first one to come out of it. Naughty, naughty. <laughs> Dude, I need to go to bed. Ah, uh, same. I had a fiddle lesson today. Oh, yeah, let's just whip that in the last <laughs> two minutes. I was gliding over the fact that you now play the fiddle and you want me to play the accordion. But sure, let's bring up that. Let's co- open that can of worms. Let's go. Yes, yeah, so. So Buffy's learning the fiddle. And we'll leave it at that this week. Come oh back my- in the next two weeks. Who are you? I'm- Maybe I'll play a song. Maybe the next time you listen, our theme song will be me on the fiddle. <laughs> I vote an opening. <laughs> I'm trying to do our. I can't even remember our theme song right now. I was just doing Amadeus, I think. I don't know. We can just play it. Oh, uh, you know where to find us on Instagram. Yeah, you can find us at Blush and Stuff Pod. <laughs> find us on Twitter at Blush and Stuff underscore Pod. Send us an email at Blush and Stuff Pod at gmail.com. Also, while you're on our Instagram, check out our Artist of the Month. Karina Kamal with Citrine Beauty Boutique. She's amazing. We love her. And she's offering 20% off to all of our podcast listeners. She is incredible. And if you want more details, go ahead and listen to the episode we 
released before this one, number four. We have an extensive review on how much we love Karina. She's great. Strongly suggest her. Yeah. And on that note, let's put this baby to rest. Oh, and yeah. then put us to rest. Oh, yeah. Play that fill. <laughs> I'm bringing it up next time. Bye!